When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Of fear. My advice is flee, keep suitcases near. Vacate the premises, placate your innocence. Fate is unpretty, we embrace the blemishes. All right, everybody, we are now on to episode four of the Double Countout podcast. We're, we're trucking along, we're staying on track. It's, it's very exciting. Uh, hopefully this continues. I won't lie, I could maybe, maybe see after WrestleMania season possibly doing this once a month but that's that's for that's for a few months from now right now we're still doing it every other week you can catch us on sundays when these episodes drop i am joined once again by derek and josh you're hearing the sweet sounds of mega ran and now it's time to talk a little bit of wrestling uh first on the docket is something that josh brought to our attention which is the osprey takahashi match that just recently happened in new japan uh i watched it I almost screamed out loud two or three times at my desk at work. Uh, there's some brutal shit in this match, Josh. <laughs> uh, the, that sunset bomb was freaking killer. <laughs> and the, the crazy thing is the sunset bomb wasn't even probably the top five worst things that happened in that match. It was like, <laughs> holy shit. It's like they were trying to figure out how many ways you could like break your neck without using weapons. <laughs> was there like a... Um... Like, I know that that was the main event of one of the, uh, was it uh, New Beginnings? Uh, it was actually the co-main event. Like, the main event was the Okada Championship match, but this one was a lot more noteworthy. Okay, was there, like, an actual story? Like, because you know that uh, that me and Derek pretty much only watch what you tell us to watch. Is there, <laughs> yeah, including is Domino's there, commercials. <laughs> is, yeah, <laughs> is there a, uh, a storyline between these characters that we should know or be paying attention to or is this kind of a just a good wrestling match for the sake of having a good wrestling match by two great people in the ring uh well this one like most great storylines nowadays really started on twitter more than anything (laughs) but and it sucks because the link i sent you guys just started the match but the actual like new japan stream had a video package introducing it and it was the most hilarious shit ever where uh it was basically just takahashi narrating while they kept showing pictures of cats and uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> basically, basically Takahashi's character when he came back from Mexico to and returned to New Japan last year, it was just that he was like this crazy, unstable dude. But in the last year, they've kind of morphed that into just like a crazy man child, kind of. Okay. So on Twitter, on Twitter a few months ago, for no real reason, he started tweeting to Will Osprey. He's like, "You're a cat now," and he's like, "No, I'm, he's like, no, you're not." He's like, "What are you talking about? I'm not a cat." And he was like, that's something a cat would say. <laughs> and then so for a few matches, Will Ospreay after that started wrestling with like cat makeup on. <laughs> and <laughs> um, so there's not like this huge, long, drawn out story, but it's essentially that they're friends, even though they're in rival factions. But Takahashi essentially thinks he's friends with him because he thinks he's a cat who wrestles. And Will Ospreay is just kind of like, he just kind of goes with it because he's crazy, but he likes him at the same time. So that was the extent of it. Well, this has been your edition of Japanese wrestling is crazy. <laughs> uh, there was actually the the press conference that they did the day before where they kind of hype up the matches. 
he brought him like fried chicken, like fried chicken pieces to feed him. Oh god, I was gonna, I was hoping uh, you were gonna say a bowl of warm milk. <laughs> like, oh uh, no, he, <laughs> it was funny because one of the one of the reporters there asked him during the Q and A section uh, section if he bought it from Seven Eleven, and then he acted all super offended. He's like, no. Why would you think it'd be from 7-Eleven? I put my heart and soul into this. I made the batter myself. I fried it myself. It was from the finest cuts of chicken. What the heck? <laughs> God, it's stuff like this that makes me realize that I really should just pay the like $10 a month for the New Japan world. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a crazy match though. And there was like, it's, it's funny when the you know like 98 percent of your wrestling intake is wwe because like the finishing move looked like an rko out of nowhere like it was like oh <laughs> like it was like oh that's kind of like this thing um but that match was just i mean i've seen some will osprey i've seen the infamous uh and and borderline controversial osprey ricochet match from like two years ago um that dude's phenomenal and i'm hoping that with Ricochet heading to NXT, that maybe Osprey wouldn't be too far behind because I could, I could go for some Osprey Ricochet NXT matches in my life. Uh, but that match was was awesome. Thank you once again, Josh, as always for for sending us that sending that stuff our way. Yeah, for sure. And like out of all the matches that have been in New Japan since uh since the tokyo dome show i feel like this one is probably one of the most memorable ones so it was definitely one worth checking out yeah especially just because of the wonder of how none of them ended up walking out like paralyzed <laughs> or anything like holy shit, some of those i think the dragon suplex off the top rope i think <clears throat> is what it was where he just landed he literally landed straight up on his head that was horrifying but it was a great match. I just hope they don't keep doing matches like that. <laughs> yeah, that was, was too much. that was the point where I literally screamed at my desk because I did think that like, oh, that doesn't look like that's how that's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you said that this was a co-main event and that the the other main event kind of brought up a question. Uh, and that question being, does the main event always need to be long? Right. Which... And uh, if you want to okay. give background on why that question came up, I know I have my answer uh, and it's with something that happened in like just the last year or so. Right. Um, so I was listening to another podcast and they were discussing the New Japan main event, which was Okada versus Sonata. And for those who aren't familiar, Sonata's considered a guy who has a lot of potential and is an up and comer, but he's relatively he's a relatively low tier or like mid-tier wrestler who's kind of uh, lost. Not I don't want to say lost in the shuffle, but he's kind of just like a guy in Los Ingobernables, whereas obviously Naito's the leader and he's the one who lost at the Tokyo Dome last month and Sonata was the one with the shot. So basically the match, the match was pretty good and it wasn't as good as Osprey, but it was kind of following a similar pattern that most Okada matches have followed for the last year and a half or so where he's where it kind of goes back and forth for a really long time and then Okada like barely pulls out a win with like a desperate rainmaker and it brought up the question because even though Sonata is being hyped up as having so much potential he was treated as if he was pushing Okada to the limit despite Okada being portrayed as like the best wrestler in the world and it starts making it feel like the where, for example, they were saying the crowd reaction for this match, it te- seemed to kind of be, I want to say, like less less heated than normal Okada matches until like the second half, because they've kind of been conditioned into thinking, oh, and it's the same with most wrestling. Actually, it's not just a New Japan problem, but it's essentially like the first two thirds of the match don't matter. And then the exciting part or the part you should pay attention to is like the last 10 minutes. And it's funny because one of the first matches I really paid attention to in New Japan was a Takahashi match since we were just talking about him. And I think it was at Wrestle Kingdom last year where he was fighting one of his most uh, one of his biggest rivals, Kushida. And they had plenty of back and forth, like high quality matches over the over the previous months. But this match at one of their biggest shows of the year Basically, Takahashi attacked Kushida on his, during his entrance and like dazed him, threw him in the ring, and as soon as the bell rang, he hit his finisher and won. And it brought up an interesting point because should guys like Okada or even 
like, you know, Roman Reigns or whoever, whoever is like the top of the top, should they be having like the same back and forth match with everybody that they fight? Because on one hand, of course, we all know it's a show and you want to make the main event like the most or at least try to make the main event the most outstanding or noteworthy match of the show. But at the same time, it creates that feat, that sense of repetition where it does create a sense where nothing matters up until the last 10 minutes or so. And from a storyline standpoint, I feel like the best wrestler in the world or the best wrestler in the company or whatever you want to say probably shouldn't be having the same back and forth match with a lower tier wrestler than they would be having with like the top, top contenders. Not only that, but then it would keep audiences on their toes if matches every once in a while would end in a definitive five minutes on pay-per-view so that they know that anything could happen at any time and they're not and they're more focused and have more incentive to be focused on the entire match so i didn't know what you guys thought of that but i thought it was an interesting topic yeah i i mean what pops into my head immediately is that one would say that like the what minute and 30 second uh goldberg brock lesnar main Mm -hmm. event was probably one of the most talked about moments of 2016 because it was so unexpected i think it's one of those things where you have to walk that fine line of you know if every other pay-per-view the main event is only 90 seconds don't do it but if it happens maybe once a year or once every other year it does make it feel really special but i also do think that anything that goes longer than 20 minutes a lot of the time does start to feel like it's dragging so like i i definitely don't want like these marathon main events, unless you're doing something like an Iron Match, like an Iron Man match, right. like the the Sasha Banks Bailey women's Iron Man match, could have uh, gone for an hour, and I would have been fine with it, uh, just like the Shawn Michaels Bret Hart one. Yeah, I feel like uh, from a like a, the perspective of somebody that watches it on TV most of the time, it's like if that happened too frequently, it would like. Like I feel like that I feel like it's fine from a TV aspect, but if I'm buying if I'm buying tickets or planning to go on a sh- go to a show, um, I I feel like I want everything to last as long as I can. Like those the tickets are expensive, you know. How many people? I I don't know how many people go specifically to see the main event, but if you you know every month or every couple of months your main event is getting uh you know, finishing in three or four or five minutes, like I could see as a ticket buyer that I would be pretty disappointed in that. Uh, but from the aspect of storytelling, you know, really that that five, ten, fifteen minutes of the match, before, like you said before, it starts to get to the point where what is happening in the ring matters most of the time. It doesn't really add anything to the story, so it's something where it, when it's on TV, is it just like there to pad the time so there's more spots for ads? Whereas uh, it, when you're watching live, it's so that you get your money's worth. Um, I don't know. It's something I I, I agree it. I, I thought about Goldberg and Brock as well. And it was, that was something where that I had never seen anything like that happen before again. Cause I was a year into watching the, uh, the sports entertainment at that point. Um, but <laughs> that was something where like, I was like almost jumping out of my seat. Like what the hell just happened? That was so exciting. That was so cool. And it remains so exciting and so cool. Cause aside from a couple of other times, uh, we haven't really seen that happen again since. Exactly. Yeah, so just essentially, I agree with both of you guys. It's like it needs to be, it can't be something that happens too often. Because I think I'm in the minority, but I thought the Cena-Lesnar match where he suplexed him a thousand times and essentially squashed him. I was mad about that match, but I know most people liked it. But there is a balance, and I do feel like wrestling could stand to be a little less... um, follow less of a formula and be a little bit more dynamic but at the same time you want to keep the live you know the live crowd in mind and the ticket buyers in mind too and not shortchange them either yeah especially at a time when they've you know it sounds if you believe the dirt sheets and the subreddits that they've been struggling to sell tickets over the past few years right yeah. like starting to do that thing where like starting to do that where you know your main event like which is the thing that's on the front picture uh, you know it's on the front of the arena and it's like on the picture on wwe.com for that event you're going to like uh, like if that gets to the point where it 
it starts to be unpredictable in terms of how much time you'll get out of it. Like I could see some, I I, I don't care because I feel like you're going to get the same length of show really regardless of how long that main event is. But I could see some people being drastically affected by that. Um, well, and I mean, that is a good lead into the next topic discussion, but, but I'm going to table that for a quick second and say, that I think you have to be smart with how you play it. So I think that, with the Survivor Series Goldberg Brock Lesnar match, it worked because it was after a very like three or four very long Survivor Series matches. Um, I think that if you're doing it, it needs to be during a pay per view like a Survivor Series or like a Royal Rumble, where like maybe this one on one thing is your quote unquote main event, but like people are going to the Royal Rumble to watch the Royal Rumble. You know what I mean? So it's like. If you're doing the Royal Rumble and then there's one last match afterwards, it's actually a benefit to, I think, a lot of people that it be a short one because you've just sat through this hour, sometimes hour plus uh, long event and you're usually pretty hype unless it's 2015. And based on like that energy level, kind of you don't like I always kind of get angry when there's something after the Rumble to like wrap up the Royal Rumble so if it's like oh there's one more match and then it's just over in two minutes I'm like all right well, <laughs> like that's fine I guess <laughs> um but yeah I think it I think there is also that flip side of it where you know what does the main event should be the biggest draw and but I don't know but then I guess the flip side of me also goes back to growing up in an era during boxing where like you would have these Mike Tyson main events where the whole thing was like how quickly could it go and like seeing if it would even get past the single round. So I think if you build, it really depends on the people that are being built and what it's supposed to be. Uh, as I think that that was also a thing that kind of worked in the favor of most Brock Lesnar main events is that your expectations is that this guy is a dominating force and should be able to do it quickly. Like if you did a Braun Strowman main event, I would want that to be short because the longer that that goes, it kind of takes away a little bit from Braun at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It also creates that inconsistency that happens a lot where like on raw, the main eventers will beat them quick, but then on the pay-per-view they're struggling yeah. for like 30 minutes or even, even on raw though, they'll be like getting their ass kicked for like five minutes and then hit a surprise finisher usually too. Or they'll like hit, which goes back to the whole formula argument. They'll hit somebody with a guitar and then they'll retaliate with an upright bass. <laughs> right <laughs> which uh i mean real quick because there's not much to discuss there but uh already strong contender for the raw moment of the year i know it's only february but it, it, exactly one year after the festival of friendship as well oh no <laughs> so this is just a good month in february this week in february just always a great time for a, a huge uh wrestling moment um you had brought up that there, uh, Derek, that there had been some issues going on with the WWE as far as selling some of the seats to their pay-per-views, which has led to a really interesting piece of information that's kind of been popping up all over this week. And that's that they're no longer doing um, brand-specific pay-per-views, which I think is a smart move. I think it's a very good move, um, as long as they don't end the brand split. I think the brand split should absolutely continue. But I think that this in the long run is a very smart idea because, you know, you look at something like SmackDown right now and like, what the hell are they going to do for another month to build to to fast track? You know what I mean? Like, it's the slowest trip to fast track that could possibly be happening. Yeah, and that goes for every time that they've had uh, had a pay-per-view that's like two months away. It's just like they start spinning their wheels and like nothing of importance happens for like a whole month. And I mean, I think that there's a little bit of blame to be put on them, too, because back in the day, you would only have, you know, four, maybe five pay-per-views each year. And you would be able to like do these mini story arcs throughout Raw and SmackDown. Well, I guess back then it was only Raw. But I think that that's the biggest issue is that you can still tell stories on SmackDown. Like, you're allowed to tell storylines that can be resolved before Fastlane. Like, that's a that's a thing that's allowed. <laughs> but I, I am so, like, two thumbs up on this idea. And, I, I mean, I'd be okay if they even decided to cut back on pay-per-views and maybe only do, like, seven or eight pay-per-views in a year. 
Oh, that's not enough, man. <laughs> Dude, it's it's just weird, though, because my biggest concern is that, well, the rumor is saying, too, that they're going to extend the length of the pay-per-views to four hours every time. To well, then, I, then I definitely want them to cut back. Yeah, but um, <laughs> even still, like, I feel like this is going to lead a lot of, or leave a lot of mid-card people off the show, which means they probably won't get a whole lot of coverage on the te- a weekly television show either, which is weird, though, because... Even as it is right now, they have five hours a week of uh, main, like, Raw and SmackDown programming every week, and they still struggle to find worthwhile storylines for everybody. But but the flip side sure. of that would be that right now, I mean, we're going to get into our, our uh, Elimination Chamber predictions shortly, but, like, Elimination Chamber is going to be a week from when this episode drops, and currently on Wikipedia, there's three matches. Yeah, Yeah, as of right now, there's only three matches, and I don't know... Like, I don't know how, what can develop in the next week that can... Because what is a typical card for a three-hour pay-per-view? Is Usually it like Bray Wyatt versus six, Matt Hardy? Six or seven? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You think that that's what... You think that that's when this seven. will happen, though? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or do you think that one of those elimination chambers is going to be, like, well over an hour? Well, they're making it seem like it's going to be seven people in the men's chamber. So <laughs> they, that'll probably they, be Yeah, they've, they officially confirmed that, that it'll be a seven seven-man chamber, so... Which, I, I mean, I've heard the theory that it's just going to start as a triple threat instead mm-hmm. of a one-on-one. Because I don't know how you would build the Elimination Chamber to fit the extra pod at that at this point. Just squeeze it two people just... into one. <laughs> like, <laughs> man, remember when the New Day was squeezed into one pod together? <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like a lot, like... Maybe they'll. Maybe they are. Maybe they're rebuilding it. Like there's not enough room for a guitar. I don't think in the pod. And you know, Elias is going to be in there with his. He's probably going to be singing throughout the match. I'm hoping. Oh, because he's coming last. I, he's got to be singing the whole time. Like nothing else. There's nothing else makes sense in terms of putting him in there last. Really. <laughs> did you hear that he's apparently coming out with an album? That's fantastic. I, I, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> you- you know what song I genuinely... Kayfabe's not dead. You know what song I genuinely um, want on that particular album is... Um, I don't think Derek will know what I'm talking about, but Josh, do you remember the song they played in the vignettes that they were using to build towards Elias? The one where he was making references to all like the NXT champions before yeah, that? That yeah. song was the best song that has ever come out of Elias Sampson's mouth. Like That song right. was legit good you gotta put that song on the album <laughs> yeah and then after that they realized that they should probably make him bad if they're gonna make him a heel so then he started releasing bad songs but <laughs> yeah because <laughs> yeah, the dude's genuinely ta- like he's not untalented but he's i mean let's talk real quickly about what happened on monday because there i have a friend chelsea who just started watching wrestling and she's been watching Mm it and texting me while she's watching it at her friend's house and she sent me a text when elias and braun had their little moment and she just said what the fuck is happening right now (laughs) and i said the reason why we sit through so many hours of bad wrestling like oh man (laughs) like it's like you sit through so much garbage just waiting for when that thing works out exactly the way you want it to. And it's like, you have probably two of the most appropriately booked people on the roster doing something together. Put them on Elimination Chamber. I will watch the show. Oh, wait, they're in the chamber. Fuck. (laughs) This is, see, this, I mean, this does prove a point, though. This is the downside of the brand split, is that you've got half your roster's injured, and then all of the rest of your roster is in the men or women's Elimination Chamber. So like even you. Well, said, like, like when you see people like like looking at the women's match, like people that just debuted and haven't done anything yet, like Mandy R- or like Absolution. Uh, I can't remember their names. So, so <laughs> that, that is how memorable they are. Yeah. Uh, but they're like being thrown into the you know, and and I'm sure they'll continue the trend where the women's elimination chamber match is probably going to be the last match on the card. Um, and you've got people that they've not developed a, like a single storyline. Yeah, I feel like they made their roster debut. I, I mean, I think you're right, but I feel like that's a mistake this time. Like, I feel like this time you can't, there's not enough notoriety inside the women's elimination chamber. It's not like the women's Royal rumble where you had all these legends and like all of this stuff going on. I think that I, I actually think that they're going to make the men's elimination chamber, the main event on this one. 
You think? I think I just think that the women's one. I think it'll be fun and exciting, but I don't think it's as historic trademark as <laughs> like as the women's Royal Rumble was. And like the women's Money in the Bank match was like right in the middle of the Money in the Bank card, and that was like a good spot for it. Like I think that hmm. it is a good. I'm excited they're having it, but like you said, like two of the people are like undeveloped nobodies in it. And then, like, you don't have Asuka in it. I wouldn't... Actually, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound crazy, but I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I think that the main event is Ronda Rousey signing the contract. I wouldn't be surprised either. When was it where they made the main event a contract signing? It was a few years ago. Oh, well, I was going to say uh, the very first Royal Rumble, but um, I'm sure there's been I, something I feel like than I that. feel like there was one re- more recently where... The last thing on the pay per view was like an angle. Yeah, I I don't remember, but yeah, and I feel like that Ronda Rousey thing is just going to be an excuse for her to get into an argument with Stephanie and set up a feud between <laughs> them. And I don't know who wants to see that, but uh, whatever. <laughs> they're doing what they're doing, and Ronda on their show, who again is another example of someone who got popular from beating people in seconds. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, what what they do with her, I guess if it's going to have to involve Stephanie and we're just going to have to deal with it. I just love that Ronda Rousey has overshadowed two historic women's things without doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Does, does anyone, speaking of, though, does anyone think that Nia Jax is actually going to beat Asuka? Uh, I just think it's... Uh, not, a, not even a little bit. Yeah, I think it's funny how they keep acting like, oh, like, I'm the, I'm the only one who could beat Asuka when they're acting like we don't know that she's beaten her like three times yeah, I was gonna say she's definitely beaten Nia Jax on multiple occasions um do, yeah do either one of you watch a uh, botchamania <laughs> at all yeah I do uh sometimes did you catch the newest one that was all Royal Rumble themed where they inserted the uh lookout radioactive man audio underneath Ronda Rousey pointing at the Wrestlemania sign over and over again yeah I saw no. it <laughs> I see that. um but yeah so so we I at the end of the day, I think that this is going to be a good, um, a good thing for the pay per views overall. Though is is consolidating because I think, like I'm looking, there's no reason why, like if they just announced because we're recording Tuesday, uh, right before SmackDown. If tonight on SmackDown they just announced, hey, guess what? We're canceling Fastlane and the few matches that we have set up are just going to be on Elimination Chamber. I'd be like, all right, <laughs> like, that, it wouldn't bother me even slightly. I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. That's better. Um, because there's, I mean, there's barely anything booked for that too. I mean, they've still got three more weeks to plan that. But like, that's mm-hmm. that's the thing that I want to avoid in general is that there's literally a pay-per-view two weeks after Elimination Chamber. Like, that's just too many pay-per-views. Yeah, but I mean, they, they did cut it down this year from, did they go from, they went from like 17 or 18 to 14 or 15, so they did take a couple yeah. out. And I've definitely like, because last, I usually have like people over to watch the pay-per-views, I try to take them off from work, like, because we like get, you know, we like grab pizza and have beers and like watch the pre-show and everything like that, Um and it was last year, like, it was like, oh, we'll see you two Sundays from now. Like, literally almost every time, like, like for the entire year, it was almost, like, almost every two weeks there was a pay-per-view. And even looking into, uh, this like, late last year's schedule and early this year's schedule, it is at the point where it's, like, excuse me, where it's there's a, it's a month or three weeks uh, before the next one happens. Um, and it's tough because I'm at, like... I enjoy almost every one and, and most of the aspects of most of the pay-per-views like there's, you know, there's the bad matches or the weird storylines or whatever, but I feel like I, I enjoy that time spent watching them. It feels, they always do a good job of making it feel like a big event, regardless of how frequently they happen. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for them to go less. I like every three weeks, every every month to three weeks, sure. But getting to the point where you have eight pay per views in a year or something like that, as you said, I don't know if I'd be down for that yet. <laughs> I, I feel like, although maybe if that happened, I'd have more time to watch other wrestling. <laughs> See, there it is. <laughs> well, I feel like we've had tw- at least twelve pay per views for so long now that it would be it would feel weird to have less than that. But mm-hmm. I'm definitely all for them cutting it down to twelve. Yeah, I mean, down to twelve is is fine too. I mean, I just feel like I've definitely gotten to the point where there's four or five that I feel like, okay, these I really want to watch with like a group of people. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like 
Backlash, I, I can promise you that Backlash is is 100% going to be, I'm going to watch that by myself in the basement. Like, it's not one that, mm. like, I can't imagine anything on that bill unless something incredible comes out of nowhere where I'm like, oh, I have to. But then again, when they announced Great Balls of Fire, I did not expect that that oh, would be. That was a highlight of last year. I was going to say, year. I didn't expect that to be a pay-per-view that I had to have people over for. Yeah. <laughs> Was it mostly? Was it mostly for the dick Dude, logo? The dick logo was fantastic. <laughs> no, that was like an unexpectedly. I wish more logos had dicks. That frankly. was an unexpectedly fun <laughs> pay per view. Um, so there's one last thing before we jump into the elimination chamber predictions. Uh, Dolph Ziggler re-signed this contract, and I am so torn on how I feel about this contract because there's one part of me that's like. This dude's been putting in the work and he deserves it. And I absolutely feel that way towards the portion of his contract, which is that he can do whatever he wants. As long as he doesn't miss his WWE dates, he is like basically a free agent to do whatever he wants. Mm At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why are you my f- facing Floyd Mayweather in the f- Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. But there's something I don't like about the part of his contract where he can just leave as soon as his match is over. And that bothers me just as like an overall like team player and like a dude who used to throw concerts like people look down on the band that just shows up in time to play and then leaves before any other band plays like <laughs> doesn't it kind of make it sound like he doesn't yeah, give a shit like it, well and it just seems like it seems like there's this element of entitlement like i am better than you i don't have time to deal with you like and that i don't like because that's not the guy that i i mean maybe that's who dolph ziggler is but that's mm. not who i've interpreted dolph ziggler to be so it's kind of there is like a little bit of like a, oh, <laughs> I expect that out of Brock yeah. Brock Lesnar, but not Dolph Ziggler. Like, well, and, and how much, how much of that Brock is Bates. real? Do you think though, and how much of that is character? That's true. I mean, if they're releasing that information intentionally to make his character come off as more entitled, then I'm fine with it. But if that's genuinely who he is, I mean, that's like, I mean, gosh, you've been training to to do wrestling for a while and been like studying it. Like, I'm pretty sure that's like one of the biggest slaps in the face to everybody in the locker room yeah that's a huge like taboo so i mean on one hand it's hard to blame him with if you got his booking that he's gotten yeah. for so long like i would have lost my enthusiasm too probably but he keeps resigning. um you know it's eventually like if you would have asked me like three or four years ago i was like one of the biggest Dolph ziggler fans and now i really don't give a shit about him to be honest and it's not just the booking but he comes off is just so complacent like mm-hmm. he's kind of it feels like he's given up on advancing because of his booking which i can't really blame him on for that but at the same time it's like if you're just if you've just resigned to coming in and phoning it in and just accepting that your role is just going to be just essentially in the to put over everybody else and then never like you know give up trying to improve give up trying to get a better position give up considering other options that might give you more of an opportunity to have that more that wider creative freedom i mean more power to him if that's what makes him happy but i can't get invested in someone like that and i guess contrary to what you were saying matt to me this goes completely in line with what i've kind of seen from him over the last couple of years and it's not all that unexpected to me that it at this point it's just kind of like a job to him as opposed to something he enjoys doing i guess i just mean like backstage interviews and stuff like that when he's when he's not in character and he's like having fun with with the guys backstage it seems like okay like because i don't know i i obviously i've never trained for wrestling um but i i feel like if i had gotten into wrestling I always joked around that if I was a wrestler, my character would just be kind of the guy who's just happy to be there. <laughs> like, so like, so like to me, it's like, no, it's just, you know, it's the same thing with like, I don't know. There's yeah, something weird. Right 
there's oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say when I lived in LA briefly, I did stand up. And while I didn't adore the world of stand up, there was this very much like we're all in this together type attitude where it's like, yeah, no, some people do really well and some people bomb. And like at the end of the day, we're all still mm. sitting in the same comedy club supporting each other type thing. Now, I was like in the brief time that I was there, kind of the heel of of the L.A. comedy scene because everyone hated me because I had a guitar because I was Elias Sampson. And I go up there and <laughs> sing silly songs. But like, uh, you know, I still I'd, I'd I still hung out with the guys who like would literally make fun of me in their sets after I got off stage. Because I knew that, you know, we're all in this together. Like, it's, you know, yeah, make fun of me on stage. But then when we're off stage, we're bros and it's nothing. Like, you don't take that shit personally. And it's kind of the same thing with this. It's like, you can't take the losses personally and don't really don't take it out on, like, the guys who some of them probably, like, super look up to you. If Zack Ryder hasn't lost his love for this yet, like, Ziggler has no <laughs> excuses. <laughs> I, I feel like it was really interesting seeing that happen with him too. Cause I just remember there was so many rumors last year, last summer ish that he was done. He was not interested in signing another contract that he was going to be going to Japan or something like that. Um, that there was even an instance where on talking smack Nakamura was like, Oh, I think he'll do well in Japan. And people were like, what, like what, what, what did he say? Why did he say that? Like, all of this stuff, and then and then he had that fantastic back and forth with the Miz for that period of time. Oh, yeah, um, was... You know, ending with the ending with the like, oh, if I lose, I'm done uh, match type thing. Um, but yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised that he didn't choose to go somewhere else. If it, you know, if you know, we're probably just all like feeding into the storyline, really. <laughs> but um, but it was it was just surprising to me to see that he didn't it didn't seem like he took a more part time schedule, like especially after him, you know, the the most recent storyline with him walking out on the U.S. title, which didn't go anywhere at all. Uh, you know, it's I don't know. I, I like him in the ring, um, but it's also something where even in the time that I've been watching, uh, like he has gone from this like like. I viewed him as as in the upper tier and now he's just kind of there and just loses and loses and loses and that's it like there's not much more to him at this point it's a point. shame because he is in my experience of seeing like house shows and stuff the best opening match guy imaginable like he mm. is so good at at like with the false finishes and, and stuff like that. And like really selling. I remember the first ever live wrestling show I went to the opening match was him versus Alberto Del Rio. And it was the most like edge of my seat match I'd ever seen. But I feel like they need, he said this really well in, um, I forget what I was reading. It was some interview, but he basically said that he has no problem being a guy who puts over other guys. But what his problem mm-hmm. is, is that every single guy from NXT comes in and he's the first opponent that they have to go up against. And he goes, that's just not doing them any favors. That doesn't beating Dolph Ziggler doesn't right. make you a star anymore. And like it needs to be like shuffled about. I think Dolph Ziggler is way better off doing matches with guys in a similar vein who have a similar like win. Lo- like Dolph Ziggler versus Bray Wyatt. You book that for a little bit between two guys who I see lose all the time. And now it's suddenly like, you know, I don't know who could win this one. Like you put those guys, you put Mm -hmm. someone like Dolph Ziggler in a bunch of matches where he is not clearly the person destined. Like you cannot, you can't put Dolph Ziggler in the Kane position in that triple threat match. You know what I mean? Like it can't (laughs) be like, oh yeah, no, it's, it's Ziggler. So I know he's going to lose because the thing that he does better than anybody is that false finish like that. Derek, I don't think you were watching mm-hmm. at the time, but if you watch the Survivor series that he was in, um, I mean, that was like, that's the, if there was ever a point to pull the trigger on Dolph Ziggler, it was that moment. It was the <laughs> most star making <laughs> moment. It was designed for Roman Reigns, yeah. but they, they didn't change the script and just handed it to Ziggler. And then they did nothing after that. Yeah. Ironically, that was probably the match or the follow up to that match was what made me go from a big Dolph Ziggler fan and not caring about him anymore. Because after that performance, if they weren't going to go anywhere with him, you knew they never yeah. were. Mm. Yeah. 
So we'll see what happens with, with old Ziggles. Uh, I mean, we're going to wrap up in just a couple minutes because there's only three matches to predict. And then I'm going to watch SmackDown and see. It's as big. They're, they're advertising that, that Dolph Ziggler's back. So For like the fourth time in three months? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know things aren't going well in SmackDown when their big advertisement is I, Dolph Ziggler's back, everybody. I think I'm just going to watch Braun Strowman Dude, over and over again please, on YouTube. It's instead. so good. Uh, so I'm looking at the Elimination Chamber Wikipedia page. We kind of covered this already, but like, let's be serious now. Nia Jax is not going to be the person to just suddenly beat Asuka. Um, yeah, not at all. <laughs> when on that topic, when do you guys think uh, somebody will beat Asuka? Like, do you think it's coming? Like, is, do you think it's coming at WrestleMania? Do you think it's coming so- this year? Like it's been, they they played that video on Raw last night, just detailing that it's like it, like she debuted in like 2015 and has not yeah. lost since type thing. So it's like, it's just so long. I think that it's someone pointed this. Maybe it was even on this show. I can't remember because I listen to so many wrestling podcasts that our stuff kind of blends into it. But someone, I think it was Josh saying that it might be better off to just end the streak now because the longer that it goes on, the more of a burden it becomes eventually. Mm-hmm. And it's like you just need to get get it over with, and then like how long can they keep it active and maintain like maintain her being exciting? I think because it's still at that point where right now, like like in so many of her matches right now, it's like oh shit, like there's so there's moments where it's like oh shit, like is this the night? And that is, I feel like that's only there because she has only been on the main roster for X amount of time, and how fast does that fade to to where it's the point where it nobody cares because she's just it's it's oscar she's gonna win for sure she has to win it like. needs to be ember moon i feel like i feel like they need to bring ember moon onto the main roster um and as soon as they do that i think she's going to be the one to do it because even with their brief back and forth in the royal rumble it still showed what the storyline was that they were trying to tell in nxt which is that ember knows that she can beat Asuka. And every time that she's been in a match with Asuka, it's the only time that Asuka's really gotten a little heelish because she has to cut corners to beat Ember Moon. Ember Moon is the only person who is her equal, quote-unquote. Yeah, Um, watch him just give it to Ronda. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) dude, that will be the most infuriating. I, As long as they're still put, like... Normally, I'd be like, oh, God, not Ronda Rousey versus Stephanie McMahon. But it's like, yes, Ronda Rousey versus Stephanie McMahon. Keep her away from Asuka. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, but, if, they, I I mean, think if she's going to lose the streak, it should either be at WrestleMania or against against like a up and coming. Like you said, like Ember Moon. I honestly wouldn't even be surprised if Ronda. I, I don't know if we mentioned this last time, but how. Asuka suddenly switched her finisher to like the armbar instead of the Asuka lock. And it seemed like it was like setting mm. it up because Ronda's thing in MMA was the armbar. But, um, right. but I don't know now that they're going in the direction where it's making it seem like uh, Ronda's going to be a raw superstar. If Asuka's going to go for Charlotte's title, like they're making it sound that would effectively move Asuka to SmackDown. So that mm. would kind of, kill that oh wait but now if they have the i guess now if they have the dual brand pay-per-views it wouldn't be that hard for them to have like a raw versus smackdown special event or something i guess but i think i think mm-hmm. uh signs are showing we're relatively safe from a ronda oscar uh match for the time being but then again they don't always follow their own like continuity and logic so it doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean anything but let's hope i'd rather have it be ember like matt said yeah uh so Let's do the men's Royal Rumble next because I think we all know <laughs> this one. Um, you got Braun Strowman, Elias, Finn Balor, John Cena, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and The Miz. And the winner of this match gets to face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Um, I mean, so I think we all kind of know where this is going. Yeah, I mean, there's but... no way that it's not going to be John Cena, right? Because he keeps saying, how else is, <laughs> how else is he going to get to WrestleMania? I mean, John Cena is not going to have a WrestleMania match if he doesn't win this Elimination Chamber. That's what he keeps telling someone... us. <laughs> this is his last chance, guys. Let me see if I can find... Someone wrote about this on Uproxx, and it was like... The wording was so perfect on explaining how dumb that speech was on Raw. Don't you guys get it though? Like, uh, not all six of the guys who don't win this match are going to be completely off WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> how will they? How will some of us live? <laughs> uh, the the Miz, I could see being off WrestleMania. He has his baby is due two days before. Yeah. 
based on t- the Total Divas storyline. Here it is. So uh, this is directly from Uprox. Uh, I'm sorry, Brandon. Uh, maybe you'll be on our show one day because uh, I know you'll be at San Diego. Uh, this week's Raw opens with John Cena explaining how he needs to win the Elimination Chamber because if he doesn't, he believes that for the first time in 15 years, he may not have a road to WrestleMania. He hopes to make the impossible possible at Elimination Chamber. He goes, this would be a really good story if, like, facts and history weren't things. That first time in 15 years stuff is bullshit. Back in 2016, John Cena had shoulder surgery, which made him miss an entire build to WrestleMania and ended up appearing on the show to do a run-in and save The Rock from the Wyatt family, but he wasn't on the show. If the narrative is supposed to be that John Cena wouldn't have a main event spot because he's gotten older and isn't sure if he can compete at a John Cena level, that's even more bullshit. Because last year, him and his girlfriend had a match with the guy that he hates and that guy's wife because they made fun of his reality show and back at 31 he was the United States champion with a match in the middle of the show and at 30 he wrestled Bray Wyatt in a match with no championship on the line whatsoever are you just making this up are we supposed to forget about Wrestlemania's now (laughs) Um, so uh, so yeah I mean it's going to Reigns we all know it's going to Reigns but I'm still hopeful that there's going to be a lot of big things in there I'm hoping as we talked about before, that Elias just sings his little heart out for like 45 minutes. And I am hoping that one of two things happens. Uh, either one, Braun Strowman busts out of his shell early just because fuck it. Or B, someone predicted, and I like, that Braun Strowman breaks into Elias' shell to smash the guitar. <laughs> like- <laughs> uh, who do you guys think are going to be the final two uh, in the match? I think it's either going to be Reigns and Rollins or Reigns and Cena. I was thinking Reigns and Rollins as well. Uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking Reigns and Cena actually. Hmm. Uh, it was it's interesting. Like I feel like it didn't feel like Seth really like yesterday's edition on Raw felt odd, and I don't know I don't know why. Like it just felt like they were like, oh, like there's no spot. Like we don't have any storylines with these guys right now. So like, let's just throw them in this match. Well, I mean, I guess that's what half the matches are in the, in the pay-per-views well, these days, but so there's two, there's two factors. There's the one factor that's 100% accurate. And there's the other factor. That's a lot of rumor and uh, speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the one obviously being that all of Seth Rollins, WrestleMania plans are completely out the window right now because Jason with, Jordan, with Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a factor. Someone said that the other rumor is that, WWE accidentally posted a picture of I did see that picture yeah. of Finn Balor yeah and and then kind of in the way that they always do we're like shit we accidentally gave away something so we need to make a quick adjustment to the finish mm. and then like built from there because I mm-hmm. don't think I think if Jason Jordan was still healthy we would just be having a regular six man elimination chamber match mm-hmm. right um and it it seems like it's like it's too if like if all of this just came to be very recently as well, it's, it's it feels like it's too late to to rebuild the um to the to rebuild the chamber to add another pot or whatever. So at that point, like at that point, what else can we do aside from have it start as a plus, as a triple threat? Plus, if they did that, it would look awkward if the when they got to the women's match, there was just an empty pot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. We got two. We oh yeah, we got another. No, yeah, we got one more raw. <laughs> So if uh, the iconic duo was in the match, they could have shoved them both in one pod. That would have been <laughs> funny. But yeah, like I I feel like the writing's on the wall for Balor and uh Seth to have a match. So I feel like that's the direction they're going in. And with as much as they've been giving Cena promo time to say this is his last chance to get into Mania, mm-hmm. I, that's really my basis for thinking it'll come down to Roman and mm-hmm. Cena. But uh, then what do you and, like? Do you guys? And think- plus, with the Royal Rumble, they kept making it seem like they thought the crowd really wanted to see Cena and Roman <laughs> fight again, with how, how many like stare down spots they had. Uh, and what do you guys think? What like what is their plan for say Balor? Then do you think after after he loses? Like I feel like a lot of the other guys, you could kind of see spots for them, but Balor, I don't know. Like he's just I, kind of. I I think I think Josh is right. I think Balor goes against Seth Rollins. I think you build a few mm, okay. there a little bit um my question is how do we get braun Strowman out of elimination chamber without hurting his push mm. per se um uh, probably just like have all five people hit them with his finisher and have them all dogpile him that's they did something similar to cena a few years ago remember do you remember that match no <laughs> it was when cena was at the peak of his like super cena squash deal where he was just completely unbeatable and he was actually the champion in the match and as 
as soon as he got in the match, I think all everybody hit him, all five guys hit him with their finishers with Rey Mysterio hitting the 619 last, and he was eliminated within like a minute of being oh, in. Oh, that's fantastic. And it was like this, it was a huge deal because Cena never loses like that. And the baby faces and heels teamed up against him to eliminate him quick. And he was a champion. So it quickly established that there'd be a new champion at the end of the match. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so I could see I could see them doing something like that with I, Braun because it protects him, obviously, because five of all five of them had to, you know, take him down. gang up yeah. on him. OK, yeah. so let's talk about the, the slightly more interesting match ahead of us. Alexa Bliss versus Bailey versus Mandy Rose versus Mickey, Mickey James versus Sonya Deville versus Sasha Banks. Um, I think that Bliss... Holy shit, there's like only two relevant people that's in That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, and like looking at that lineup, I'm like, oh, I actually feel really confident that Alexa Bliss is going to walk out of this because outside of Bailey and Sasha Banks, who cares? And I think that they're going to build Bailey versus Sasha Banks through this. Yeah, I was so, like, I feel like yeah. I feel like Mandy and Sonya team up, get Mickey James out first, then something happens, one of those two gets out, uh, then one of the then the whoever's left from Absolution gets out, uh, and then who like do who do you think will be the final two? Like I feel like I could see Bailey pinning Sasha, and then because they've like they've been, it, it feels like they've been kind of teasing at this like heel Sasha for a while, and it almost looked like we were going to get it on Monday right before Bailey was a true friend and pushed Sasha out of the way of Nia or tried to anyways. Um, but I wonder if Bailey pinning Sasha would be like, like the moment that finally, like the straw that breaks the camel's back type thing in that regard. I'm starting to think it might be the opposite. And since they expect us to think that Sasha's going mm-hmm. heel, that they're going to actually have Bailey turn. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that the final two will be Sasha and Alexa be- because Alexa's beaten Bailey down so many times that her doing it again would be so redundant, right. but not just that. I feel like there would be a good opportunity for like, say, because let's be honest, like Sasha acts like a heel towards Bailey all the time as it is. Like she's so condescending towards her most yeah, of the time. Yeah. So I could see it. I could see them playing it like, oh, maybe Sasha eliminates Bailey when they're working together against Alexa with like a cheap roll up or something. And then Bailey just gets fed up and like attacks her from behind, <laughs> which sets up Alexa winning um, and having that lead into it. But which speaking of a friend getting mad at another friend be, double crossing him. After we're done with our predictions, I want to bring up one quick okay. thing. Can I, I actually want to throw something out there because this is popping into my head. I don't necessarily want this to happen, mind you. But what if Naya wins under like shysty rules? Because they're saying that Asuka's going to um, have a match against Charlotte anyway. So the, the stipulation is if Naya wins, she's added to the WWE Raw Women's Championship match. But... If Asuka says, well, I want Charlotte's belt, then then it just sets mm. up Nia to go against Alexa for the championship. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Because it, like, also... it seemed like they just put this like more importance on the fact that they're best friends in the last little while. And why would they do that unless they're going to rip them apart? <laughs> yeah, plus they were teasing that match like back at SummerSlam and then just suddenly dropped mm-hmm. it. So it's like, I feel like they really do think that their big women's match for Mania for the Raw side is the Alexa Naya thing. Like they've been putting it off seemingly for Mania, but I think there's other ways you could do it. Like I think Oscar could still challenge Charlotte by beating Naya and saying, well, she's beaten everyone on Raw already. So she wants to fight the SmackDown champion. Mm-hmm. And you could, and then plus Naya and Alexa have had like hints of dissension for a while as it is. So you could easily have maybe Alexa wins the chamber and um, Naya loses against Asuka and then she over the next couple of weeks starts kind of subtly saying oh well I won your my match and you lost yours and kind of rubbing it in mm-hmm. and having her go off finally I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could do All it right, well what was the last thing that you wanted to uh mm-hmm. to bring up before we wrap up oh did anyone was anyone else annoyed and we talked about this I think on our first show but how Rollins was just joking with Roman again about how he eliminated oh, him God, from it's the Rumble. so annoying <laughs> when they do that shit he was just like, oh, yeah, how you like how you eliminated me from the Rumble. Ha 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 ha. Like, what the fuck? You're not even the slightest bit mad that. And he's actually done it twice now because the first Rumble that the Shield was in. Right. Where yeah. Roman did it. But where they're like working together and they have their arms around each other. And then all of a sudden Roman just dumps him out like a dick. And then like Rollins is in there 
again, their desperate attempt to get him over as a baby face. They have like one of their other top baby faces being like, ah, oh, shucks, you got me. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck? Like, it's yeah, so this stupid. Is, uh, this is not the greatest. I mean, basically, like the the trying to force Rollin or force Reigns to seem like the greatest baby face of all time is just same as always. Like, just Vince with his fingers. Oh. That is something that we need to talk about real quick. Um, I almost forgot uh, the big news from last time we recorded, which is that Vince has given uh, 205 Live completely to Triple H for his control. Oh, right. This is supposedly hinting towards maybe Triple H taking a little bit more of the driver's seat in other ways as well. All I'll say about this is that based on how great 205 Live has suddenly been the last two weeks, I'm A-OK with this. Hey, this is a great usage of Rockstar Spud. He's always had like a great personality, so I'm glad yeah. that they put him in that position. Even though I'm kind of sad that we won't see him as a wrestler, at least in the near future. Well, but I was gonna say, he's but great it, in this role. It's it's great to have someone in this role that can actually get into the ring if they need to, though. Which yeah, is going to like teasing, we, yeah, like, like matches of Daniel Bryan that'll never happen. <laughs> well, because like <laughs> think about like I want a Rockstar Spud versus Drew Gulak match in the worst way now. Because every time that those two interact backstage, I'm like, ooh, this is it. But no, I mean, it's crazy. Like, Enzo disappears, belt becomes vacant, and suddenly we are, like, right back into the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah, yeah. along with TJP winning matches again. <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, and, I mean... I, I guess it's been a week, so this isn't a spoiler anymore, really. But, like, it's even had me surprised. I was shocked when Roderick Strong beat Hideo. Like, the the amount of, like, that's awesome. It's awesome when there's something that you can't predict happening on your television set. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, something that I feel like Triple H is very good at. Because I feel like I can usually predict a, a main event card a little bit better than I can predict a, a takeover card sometimes because I thought for sure that they were going to strip that belt off of Ember Moon. Like, beyond confident. Then even watching the match, my confidence only grew and then there was just a crazy twist. Like there, But it, like a, a sensible twist at the same time. So it's stuff like that that I think Triple H has a good booking mind for. And I think that it's time that we just step away from the authority i i don't even really like the fact that smackdown's doing this anymore i liked when smackdown was exactly the same way as nxt where it was just hey we've got an authority figure who's super fair and understanding and just shows up and does his job (laughs) (laughs) but uh i think that's all we've got for the double count out where can people check you guys out on the interwebs Derek and josh uh i'm at dcranavelt on twitter all right. <laughs> All right. And <laughs> and I'm at Inu Joshua just about everywhere. Uh, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter. Uh, both Derek and I co-host on the Geekscape Games podcast. Right. I guess you can also find us there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I never, all the gamers out there can check us out. I never got what your Twitter handle was a reference to until the girl from Overwatch League pointed it out on Geekscape Games. <laughs> and then I felt like the biggest idiot because it's one of like four animes that I've ever watched. <laughs> hey, I, I talk to Sh- I've talked to Shaden at least once a week for years now, and he just found out. He just realized it like a few days ago or a few weeks ago. So <laughs> On the same episode, I think. Yeah, I think so. Wasn't it? Yeah. It was like an episode, Sorry. that episode or like maybe an ep- so. or like two episodes before that, something like that. Yeah. And it's also come up on the show before, which he was also on, right. and uh, he, it's changed. <laughs> so, so he has less of an excuse than you do, Matt. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> you can check me out at, at St. Mort, or you can check out my other podcast, do. podcast Horror Movie Night, at hmnpodcast.com, but it's also on geekscape.net. Uh, we'll be back in about two weeks to see how Elimination Chamber went and figure out what the fuck's going on with Fastlane. So, uh, I wonder what kind of uh, Superman punch spear combo we'll uh, see at the end. Probably the same one we've seen for a couple of years. <laughs>
ever submit to me Cause salvation's a mystery I suggest you run From the new face of fear Ready to see hell I'ma take you there So run Or submit to me Cause salvation's a mystery I suggest you run At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you.